Hello there. My name is Gordon Coonfield. I'm an associate professor of communication at Villanova University, and I want to welcome you to Fovea. What is a fovea? Well, it's that little part of your eye that enables you to focus on things going on in the world around you. And that is just what we do. We take a communication perspective. We focus on images, perception, and visual media. And we consider the ethical and theoretical questions that inevitably arise from such a focus. This episode is part of a series called Why We Read. It's basically a series of extended conversations between Dr. Kathy Oswald and myself about the text that we use in our teaching and research on visual communication. We are going to engage the arguments, explore the context, and explain the value of these texts for understanding visual communication. In this episode, we talk about really one of the founding figures in the critical cultural tradition of communication studies, James Carey. So get ready to focus on a cultural approach to communication. I guess we should introduce ourselves. I'm Gordon Coonfield. I'm associate professor of communication at Villanova, and you are... Kathleen Oswald, and I am an adjunct professor of communication at Villanova. Right, and an awesome one at that. So basically, we're going to talk about uh, James Carey, a cultural approach to communication, and uh, try to convince our students that they should read this essay. That's that's kind of the project. That should not take a lot of work because it is an excellent essay which will really set a fantastic grounding for how to understand culture as we approach the cultural aspects of communication which of course are a part of all aspects of communication but particularly visual communication i am feeling that all right so you said something interesting when we last talked over the weekend you said you use this essay in all your classes why I use it in all my classes because I feel like there are a lot of definitions in communication, but none of them foregrounds that cultural element and how it's part of something like the transmission model of communication, which most comm majors are familiar with at this point, with sender and receiver and channel and the message kind of ending up at a certain point. Um, You know, communication is that, but James Carey is one of the first people to say, hey, it's that, but it's also more than that. Um, There's also really important cultural elements in communication, and that's kind of what carries uh, our cultural meanings through time rather than carrying our messages across space. That is uh, one of the things I also love about this essay. I think the transmission view is like one of the most evil and pernicious fictions masquerading as truth uh, that that I think everyone is walking around in their head with this idea, and they certainly come into class with it, Um, this idea that communication is just that, transmitting messages from one brain to another brain, and that's all, and it's terrible. And this is one of the things that I like about um, this piece. Carrie actually quotes Dewey, who says, um, society exists not only by transmission, by communication, but it may fairly be said to exist 
in transmission and in communication. So it's not one or the other, it's definitely both. Um, so he acknowledges that at the start, but then really develops what is this ritual communication and what is this cultural aspect? And that's one of the huge things that is really brought by a cultural studies perspective um, into this course. And I know that that's gonna be true in your course and, and in my section as well. So this reminds me of that point in the essay that I really like and I found very useful where he starts to contrast the transmission with the ritual view. And he points out that communication is um, less about information and more like attending a mass, a situation in which nothing new is learned, but in which a particular view of the world is portrayed and confirmed. And he goes on, he says, news reading and writing is a ritual act and a dramatic one. So most of us don't get an actual newspaper and sit and read it over coffee at the breakfast table with the whole family around anymore. So how do you think this translates into the way we live and consume news media now? Maybe you don't have a whole lot of firsthand experience with um, maybe uh, watching your parents read the newspaper in the morning over breakfast, like in, you know, maybe an old movie you would watch or reading the newspaper when they get home from work. But certainly students uh, use smartphones for right. a similar purpose. So yeah, you're picking up your smartphone before you get out of bed to check updates, but it's not just what's the content of that message. It's also your morning ritual, right? You wake up, you pick up your phone, what app do you go to first? Um, you know, what news do you maybe start reading? So we've got all kinds of interesting rituals that we perform with our smartphones. And I would encourage us to think about what those are, because really this is an old piece, right? But right. we can update it with our own experiences. And that's what I think is so fantastic about good theory is even if some of the media changes, that core stuff that gets us to thinking about what's unique about media and some of these communication perspectives is going to hold across like all of these different, whether it's a newspaper or a smartphone, what James Carey says is still true today. That's a, the thing that I like most about this piece is the introduction of the idea of ritual. I'm not entirely sure where he gets his concept of ritual. Um, I mean, there are a lot of options there uh, in the first half of the 20th century. But definitely his idea about communication as being somehow sacred or sublime definitely comes from the work of, uh, of Dewey. And this is on page 29 where he talks about communication as being a miracle we perform daily and hourly, the miracle of producing reality, and then living within and under the fact of our own productions. I've always found like that aspect of this approach to communication really interesting because it suggests that media are both a tool, that it's how we make our social reality and an environment. It's how we inhabit the social realities that we make. Yeah. And I mean, when someone says, oh, you're a communication major, so what does that mean? I mean, you can kind of point them to this piece and say, hey, reality is brought into existence by communication. We're reality engineers. Right. I mean, this is really powerful stuff. And that ritual aspect really touches on that. And one of the things that, you know, a definition of communication, and this is why I love this piece, Carrie says that to study communication is to examine the actual social processes wherein significant symbolic forms are created, apprehended, and used. So that means when you're creating, a, you know, a symbolic form, when you're apprehending it or understanding it, receiving that message or using it, that's, you know, what it is that we're looking at in this course and really in all your comm courses, really having this 
broad understanding of communication and it's not just public speaking it's not just persuasion it's not just informative um, it's also visual it's argumentative it's when you're reading something not just when you're you know saying something it's this entire process and so engaging the importance of communication and not just you know the fact that we're sending the messages and receiving them but all of those cultural aspects that are woven through it shows the power of this discipline and the strength of some of the theory that we can bring to it. Right. And I think what makes this a great way to set up this class is it's thinking about communication in a non-trivial way or it, where, where I think a lot of the stuff that we, the fictions that we read and, and watch and consume about media and media making is on one hand, it's just a reflection of this reality. I'm not responsible for it. Or on the other hand, get caught up in that act of creation, but without any consequences. Like, it just doesn't matter. You know, like at the end of the day, it's not rocket science. Nobody dies from this. Carrie's pushing us to think about how this affects the way in which we live. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to point out, too, it's not just, you know, when you get your jobs and you're working in public relation or video production or any of these jobs where you're talking about what your organization stands for. It's also when you post to your Instagram, when you upload a new profile picture to your favorite social media platform, you in creating, apprehending, and using these forms in an everyday way also makes a big difference. And, you know, we are all consumers and creators of media and having a good understanding of what that actually means and kind of thinking about that in a more nuanced way is going to improve your everyday life, not just your professional life. Oh, I totally agree. I think this idea that that communication is a sort of creative power, um, and in Carrie's essay, he connects it to the Bible, um, to the creation account, and to the way that uh, the Gospel of John sort of refigures that creation account. In the beginning, you know, God created heaven, or heaven and earth, and then he said, let there be light, and there was light. And then in John, it's in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's some powerful stuff. So we're talking like not only ethics, but theology here. Yeah. And we can be powerful in kind of these bigger ways. We can be powerful uh, in terms of also thinking about the importance and the impacts of the things we say and using our power to lift other people up. And that's another great thing that we can think about in our everyday media use and eventually in our professional careers as well. In fact, I, this, I just stumbled on something I highlighted one of the 50 times I've read this uh, chapter of the book. Communication can be modeled in several empirically adequate ways. Uh, like you were saying, the transmission view is not wrong. It's just incomplete and, you know, really inadequate. And so he's kind of acknowledging that. But then he goes on to say, uh, but these several models have different ethical implications for they produce different forms of social relations. Right. So I think then the question would be, well, what how do, do visual media do this? How do they what are their ethical implications and how do they produce and reproduce social relations? And I think that's part of this that um, that makes communication a social science, but a social science in a very um, if, I, if I could say this without being completely self-contradictory in a very humanistic way. Yeah. And, you know, this idea that when you're communicating something, it's not like the, getting back to this idea of the transmission view isn't complete. And really, the ritual view isn't complete either, because communication is always going to be about 
also a sender, a message, and a receiver, but the implications that you are also maintaining something through time in the way that you say something, and you are never just saying something. Or you may be saying something, but and then there's the content of what you're saying, and that's what the transmission models helps us sort of think about in a strategic way. But then there's the how, and the fact of speaking itself is doing something. And that sets up something I think is really important in this class as well that we come to later, and that is the idea that media are not just channels of communication. There's a whole lot of really interesting, really rich things going on at the level of the medium. And I know you're all about that. Absolutely. Yeah. And (laughs) I guess one of the things I want to make sure that I would mention about this reading, especially uh, students, if you are listening to this before you do the reading, I would encourage you to also do the reading because this is just the tip of the iceberg of what would be the value to come out of this chapter for you. And I love this piece, too, because it's an easy sell. James Carey has a lot of really great things to say, and it's really solid stuff. He is not trying to confuse you when he writes. He is intentionally trying to lay bare uh, his observations. So getting through this is not going to give you a headache. It's definitely going to give you a lot of great things to think about. And one of these things, again, you know, oh, communication, what's that all about? I guarantee you, you're going to find a couple things in this chapter. You're going to be able to give someone an answer. Well, here are some of the things communication is about, you know, to, to kind of share some of those great nuggets that come out of this piece and also give you a great understanding of, you know, that cultural approach to communication that will sustain you not only in this class, but likely in future classes. Should we talk about the idea of symbols? Communication is a symbolic process whereby reality is produced, maintained, repaired, and transformed. So what does he mean by this, by the idea of communication as a symbolic process? Well, he unpacks it after that. So we've got James Carey to to thank um, as he talks about, it's kind of this idea of a symbolic production of reality. So we're producing reality and kind of, again, bringing it into existence um, by the way that we talk about it. Uh, And you're going to get to elements of this later in the course. I see a good tie-in here um, with echo in culture conditions, the colors we see, because where he's talking about pertinences, depending on your cultural background and what is pertinent to your culture, rather salient or important, or, you know, what separates one thing from the other in a meaningful way, there are going to be certain elements of something that you talk about. And really, when you're thinking about how culture is tied to communication, depending on your culture, there may be different parts of reality that you're more inclined uh, to talk about because they might be more pertinent. Right, right. And that idea that we are communicating not about the world, but at most with someone about particular states of the world. Like we'll talk about that from Echo uh, probably in another episode, I hope. Um, But that idea is, just points out that car, we carve up the world in very different ways uh, and that that's what we are doing when we use symbols. We are not just opening our eyes and letting the outside come in, labeling the things that we, that we recognize there, but that that whole process is something that is just profoundly complex, that whole process of symbolizing the world and understanding the world as symbolized um, when we deal with other people. 
And I think the important part about that is that there isn't one meaning. And although I think it is reassuring to try to cling to that idea that, you know, the real world is simply out there and we have some sort of direct and unmediated access to it is nice. It's, uh, it's just not true. <laughs> you know, yeah. like from a communication perspective, we are actively involved in the making of that world. Perception itself is even already sort of deeply um, shaped by this process of uh, the symbolic uh, construction or representation of social reality. Yeah, and that's um, one of the ways that I tend to talk about this is there's this piece of art. It's like an oil painting called American Progress. Right. Um, I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and this is one that I hope, um, you know, in, in class I'll have a chance to discuss a little bit. But this was a painting that was done at the end of the 1800s and you know, we can kind of look at it in a historical way and see that it symbolizes westward expansion, which I'm sure, you know, most of you are familiar with from history class, um, kind of the, the push from the mid-1800s out to the West Coast in the United States. We can kind of look at it and try and imagine what this painting was was symbolizing, right, at that time. But we look at it now and we have a lot of other things that we can think about it. And I hope that that's something that you know, we'd all get a chance to discuss because to think about what was the symbolism then and what did that mean in terms of this positive view of Western expansion? And then, of course, looking back um, from this point, we can say, kind of yikes, um, a lot going <laughs> on here. We've got to unpack it, right? And uh, I think that that's a really great example to kind of think historically about the way something was represented at the time. Right. And again, those notions of the sublime and communication and um, kind of bringing the light, so to speak, um, across the so-called uncivilized world. Uh, and then looking back from this historical vantage point and saying, hey, maybe that world wasn't uncivilized. Maybe it was different right, and it wasn't right. um, really understood in that same, as you'd say, symbolic register. We kind of were, were talking across each other there. And I think that's a really good point. Images can be really articulate when it comes to condensing out all of these understandings that we have of a culture, all these assumptions, and making them visible and tangible. They put them there where we can critique them. Like in that painting in particular, the connection between the secular theology of manifest destiny, the idea of progress, the idea that we were civilizing and Christianizing the savages and taming the wildness of the West. And all of that is really connected in that painting and in American ways of thinking about communication, because you have the telegraph and the train, two of the most important communication technologies of the 19th century, right there in the painting, making it all happen. So to wrap up, what is one reading that's going to come later in the semester that will be more relevant or more intelligible because we have read this essay? So for me, a lot of the readings, obviously, because this is going to guide our thinking about communication and culture as it relates to the visual throughout the semester. But I think you're really going to see it shine when we talk about advertising about halfway through. 
um, and thinking about, you know, that idea of the transmission model of communication and the ritual model of communication. So an advertisement is never telling you just buy this thing. Uh, an advertisement is telling you, uh, if you buy this thing, your life will change in these very substantial and also totally disconnected from the actual item, product, or service kinds of ways. So when we read Advertising the Magic System, the great tie-in here to think about ritual communication is Raymond Williams says, it's impossible to look at modern advertising without realizing that the material object being sold is never enough. This is indeed the crucial quality of its modern forms. I was going to say Benjamin, because I think it makes a lot more sense to read that essay uh, where he starts talking about magic and ritual and the death cult of photography, like the memento mori photography of the 19th century. I think it makes a lot more sense to when, when you think about this sort of idea of ritual and how it is what communication is doing. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And I, what was the term that he uses? For, oh, aura? Aura, yeah, yeah. aura. Uh, I wonder like what, what connections would you make between this idea of magic and maybe the idea of aura and ritual communication? Because they seem like they're related, but I don't know if there's like a direct relation or if there's like a lot of different ways you could take that. I don't know, but I think we're going to have to cover that in a future episode because we are out of time. Ah. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Let's Thank do it you. again. Thank do you it. so much for having this conversation with me. <laughs> and while we're fighting to outthink one another, let me thank you for listening to this podcast. You can check us out on an Apple podcast, on Spotify, probably some other places. I look forward to focusing with you again. 